What's up? What's going on? What it do? What it be? Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good night. Wherever you may be, whatever you're doing. Thank you all for listening to the Mad Nucleus Podcast. And as you know, I'm available on Spotify, Anchor, Google, Apple, and other platforms I can't think of right now. Thank you all for listening. So without further ado, let's move on to today's topic, which is what the title says. Does Hollywood care about their consumers, their fans? Is it ego over the consumer or is it consumer over the ego? Now, before I go into this, I want to say I thought about doing a one-sided podcast about this particular topic. Um, maybe seemingly it would look like I was doing a hatchet job on Hollywood, but I said, no, nah, we're going to take the balanced approach and explore both sides of this thing. So let's dive into it. I've been looking up some articles and I read one that was very interesting. The other and I'm trying to get through. So we're going to read this together. We're going to read these together. All right. I'm going to start with the first article that I came across this a bunch of them up here but you know a a little google search you know you'll get what you need for these um podcasts so let's move on let's start it let's get this party started this article from the santa maria times is entitled does hollywood hate its audience film maniacs all right let's read this article And I'm going to give you my thoughts on what I think afterwards. I'm going to try to read these articles as a whole. You know, give my perspective, my thoughts, everything. So, let's read this article. This article is by... um, No matter of fact, I'd rather for you to listen to this article. I'm not going to read it to you. They got a listening uh, thing. The film and television industry has encountered a massive problem, and it is one of their own making. Hollywood has spent the last few years treating its audiences like the enemy. They rip fans up one side and down the other over backlash after butchering of a beloved property and insult audiences who have no interest in subsequent movies. It seems Hollywood is gunning for the very people who fill their... Just a quick word from our sponsor. You're doing business in... Uh, You know, they didn't tell me about that. They didn't tell me about that. Come on, man. They messed up my flow and my vibe. So I have to read this whole thing to you. They rip fans up one side and down over other over backlash after butchering of a beloved property and insult audiences who have no interest in subsequent movies. It seems Hollywood is gunning for the very people who fill their coffers. Hmm. And it's not just audiences in general suffering this subject derision. It's specifically fans who help who hope their favorite franchises would do well only to have those hopes betrayed by the media companies they once trusted. Hmm. This growing trend among movie studios involves, as Will Jordan, the critical drinker, describes, intentionally provoking and antagonizing fan bases in order to gain attention and deflect criticism from what they've made. The trend is called fan baiting. The drinker referenced a Twitter post from user Dr. Thalas Siren 
defining fan baiting as marketing with the intent of exciting artificial controversy, garnering publicity, and explaining away negative reviews of a new and often highly anticipated production. It happened with Star Wars The Last Jedi. There were a number of creative elements in the movie that fans of the saga questioned or flat out disliked and Disney fired back by calling these dissenters bigots and fair weather fans. That was in 2017, but it happened again this year with Kenobi miniseries. The Kenobi miniseries, the episodes focused more heavily on the antagonist, Reva, Moises Ingram, than the title character. And Disney cited bot Twitter accounts spouting epithets as proof positive the entire fan base is toxic. Now that sounds right there like they did it to themselves. You focused a series on one character that was not the title character big no-no and you're gonna get backlash from it trust me disney briefed ingram in advance that this would happen they knew this would happen and they went on with it anyway and they can't face the backlash these provocations frequently pop up on social media long before a film's release and if there are any questions or legitimate uh, criticisms they are berated by producers, actors, and directors. You're all trolling, you're all toxic, you're all bots. Typical response, right? It feels as if the industry intentionally does everything it can deliberately antagonize to deliberately antagonize their audience that alienation carries over to those tasked with evaluating those productions. It makes it challenging to actually review media because many critics feel like they have to know, they have to kowtow to the whims of studios and provide a positive review even if they personally don't like the material or have no interest in it. But here's the deal, here's the problem. The media gets free reign at these movies long before the product is finished. They don't have to pay a dime to see this stuff. And this is who the studios cater to. So don't give me that garbage, bro. They get free reign at these movies before the movie even is finished, halfway through the production and stuff. Nah, man. Nah. The critics ain't off the hook with me. Let's be clear. Film and television review is subjective because it expresses an opinion, even one different from the mainstream. The best critics are able to set aside personal bias and objectively analyze a piece of film media. Right. All too often, people will dislike something because an actor they don't like is in it. Or a director they did is, is directing a movie or a TV episode. That's what they're saying. But more and more, Hollywood continues to push the narrative that they know better that what their audience will enjoy, practically demanding fans to like their product, even if it's absolute garbage. Hmm. <laughs> oh boy, that's a whole other can of worms there. <laughs> oh. As often the case with social media, hellscape studios don't listen to understand they listen to respond and their response is love my product or get labeled a hater mm. yeah I know what that label is like because they want you to they want to create this trend and want you to follow it 
if you don't follow the trend, you're a hater. Trust me, I've been I've been labeled that before. I don't like something, I don't like it. I don't care if I'm one in, one in billion people who don't like it. I don't care. It's not hate to call out Hollywood from de- deviating heavily from established source material to pander to modern audiences. It's not hate to ask filmmakers to write and produce good quality movies or at least make the attempt to even if it falls flat on its face. It is hate, however, when studios heavily ignore the very people who provide them with their cushy paychecks and forget that they need audiences more than audiences need them. Yeah, because at the end of the day, folks, it is the general audience, not just the general audience, but an audience in general who pay their salaries, who are responsible for these end of the year bonuses. Like it or not, folks, I mean, we can call fans toxic all we want to, but at the same time, if you're not getting a return investment, you're going to have to answer to the investors, this and this and that, and you're stuck in a whole world of trouble with fans, investors, directors, producers. You know, they're all going to want answers why they didn't get return profit, even though they know why, but they want to hear from the horse's mouth, and studios are stuck in a dilemma because of that. Yes, this is from Santa Maria Times. Yep, that's the end of that article. So, you know, at the end of the day, what they're saying is, you know, it is better to for you to provide a perfect balance of listening to the fans. You know, if you say you're going to do a story of a certain IP or a story based off a book, you know, first and foremost, fans are going to say source material. This is the first time you've done this movie, this type of movie, this this type of television show. Let's keep it true to the source material. That's what they're going to say. And, you know, let it snowball from there. Keep giving them what they want. And if you see that cash cow coming, why would you change it? To appease a few haters that don't like the, the, movie, the movie or the television show who aren't going to give it a chance? You know, that's not smart business. It would make you look very dumb. You don't want to do, you don't want to be putting on the idiot gear. You don't want to do that. So let's move on to the other side of the spectrum. One I found. Um why giving into fandom outrage is bad for Hollywood. I didn't get to read this one, but I'm a, I'm gonna read this one. I didn't get to read this one, but I did click on it. I didn't read it as a whole. Okay, they're talking about the Snyder Cut. They did this, um, this was from March 22nd of 2021. Okay, on Thursday, March 18th, HBO Max and by extension, Warner Brothers released the Snyder Cut, writer-director Zack Snyder's recut version of Warner Brothers' 2017 Disappointment Justice League, the culmination of a years-long campaign by a very vocal segment of the internet who hated the original version of the film and demanded the studio allow Snyder the opportunity to revisit the film and bring it in line with his original vision. Before he had to leave, before he had to leave it in the hands of Josh Whedon. Now, I absolutely agree that the original cut of Justice League was bad, but was the right response given into fans in case a vocal minority who spent a lot of energy complaining constantly on social media and allowing a second bite 
at the apple as a means to appease those who yelled the loudest or at least giving the appearance of doing so even if the decision was considered in the WB's best interest well Zack Snyder's Justice League was on a whole better on the whole better than his predecessor but that was pretty much low bar to be clear well we're not talking about let me, let me stop you right there that theatrical cut was purity garbage. It was a Marvel knockoff. It was just garbage, bro. This is far superior. This is considered better than most comic book movies out there. So, you know, that's just all, you know, you can say it's low bar, but come on now. You know, we're not comparing, we're not talking about, you know, we're not debating if it's better whether it's low bar or not but you know they dropped the ball bro they dropped the ball big time so you know i don't want to get into that so much but i'm gonna I'm scroll down this because they're, they're talking no oh, bro this is not it so here's the deal it's bad for good I'm out. All right. Uh, take him out in about, about 45 minutes. All right. Sorry about that. All right. We're going to. All right. Here's the truth of the matter. Sometimes movies and TV shows are bad. It happens. Yeah, we, we get that. I think we agree on that. But I'm going to start offering my opinions now. For the past further ado, I can sit up here and name bad movies that have potential to be better in their sequels, or you can do spinoff characters. We can talk about all that all we want. That's a whole nother can of worms. But my deal is, there's a pattern in Hollywood um, that Hollywood is pandering to a, a vocal minority of fan bases that aren't even really speaking. They're just doing it because they think they can get in their pocket and it's not working. Or they can get the subscribers to their streaming networks and it's not working. They're completely ignoring people who say, I want this type of story. I want this to be source material. I want to see this. I want to see that. And they want to cater to those who aren't even speaking. Why cater to those who aren't speaking? Because who's to say that they care? If they care, they'd have been speaking. They, 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 they don't care. But let me, let me continue with this article here. Here's the truth of the matter. Sometimes movies and TV shows are bad. It happens. Sometimes writers get it wrong and directors don't get to present their vision to the world. And sometimes the film or show that gets made isn't the precise story fans want to see. But that's the brilliance of filmmaking and what sets it apart from other mediums. You get what you get. And sure, TV shows are, are in a slightly better situation than films and that if a character isn't working 
or a storyline doesn't click, the writers usually have the chance to course correct mid-season in a non-streaming series or they can fix things in the next season. But letting fans dictate and hold creators and studios hostage with a barrage of angry tweets will only further erode the already far too thin line between fans and creators. Hmm. Well, um, some of these creators, some of these studio execs have made boneheaded decision after boneheaded decision after boneheaded decision. I mean, it's pretty obvious. They've been given more than three strikes. I believe in the three strike rule. You got three chances to get something right or you're out because at the end of the day, money is the determining factor. It dictates how you make these decisions and everything. And some of these creators, some of these directors have did dud after dud after dud with the same studio. They go to another studio, they make another dud after dud after dud. I mean, at some point, fans are going to say, man, look, stop giving this guy or this girl all this leeway to do stuff. They're not putting out stuff that people want to see and they're pandering to only a small minority of stuff. While a studio is the one on the financial hook for a film or a TV series, I'm not advocating for studios to be able to flex their muscles or force a writer or a director to continually bow down to their demands because most of these studio directors don't go to school to be filmmakers. Most of these studio execs, they go to school for business. None of them really know what it really takes to make a movie. Sure, they're, they're on set. They see what goes on, but they don't understand the detail it takes to make a film. You know, they send people to watch over somebody's shoulders and all this stuff and that stuff. They don't understand, you know, the, the, the storyboards and stuff like that. Yeah, they see them, but they don't understand, you know, the imagination. It goes into the detail, the, you know, the sleepless nights that go into. All they care about is making a profit. Can this make a profit? Can that make a profit? That's what they look at. They don't look at it from a filmmaker's point of view. And what I may add is anytime you hear about a director saying each cut I presented to the studio is to be shorter and shorter, you're going to have problems. You're going to have problems. Five different cuts of a movie and each one to be shorter. Hoping that's the one that they want to put in theaters. You're going to have problems. Instead of them saying, okay, give me this cut. Give me one longer. Give me one longer. Give me one longer. Or you can say, give me some shorter cuts. Make your cut. Make, give me five different cuts. Uh, some of them shorter than the other. You know, a balance of, of long and short. But if their intention is to put out the shorter cut, water it down, you know, reshoot it and stuff like that, you're going to have problems. And you, the fans, are going to hear about it because you have access to all this information of what goes on, whether it's social media or these insiders for Deadline Hollywood, Variety, Hollywood Reporter, Entertainment Tonight, The Rap, whatever. They all got the scoops on this stuff. Not the clout chasing YouTubers, though. All right, where did I leave off? 
bow down to their demands. Okay, the relationship between studio and creative talent depends on having some creative freedom in place for it to survive and thrive. Yeah, also it has to, a lot to do with understanding and trust too. There are instances where that has happened to detrimental effect, mostly in TV and mostly when it comes to certain premium cable network allegedly telling showrunners they couldn't kill off characters when they wanted to when they wanted to and i certainly think the creative team should have final say in their story but if a studio doesn't like a direction a story is heading in then they can always remove the creative team and start over get somebody who will adhere to their demands is what they're saying and we've seen how that can lead to Frankenstein's monster films. Snyder Cut, uh, Deadly Friend, um, Donna Cut, not, not so much as the Donna Cut of Superman too, but um, namely in the Star Wars realm and with the original Justice League. It's delicate balance and with low financial key large IP films are these days with low financial key large IP films are these days I suspect it's something we'll continue to see happening in the years to come for good or for the ill oh of course somebody is gonna you know somebody is gonna you know trick up the church's money and here's what it is here's the studio execs uh, might sit and let the directors showrunners would have you run the ship for a while and it may be smooth sailing no big waves no perfect storm and then the studio exec might get bored and say you know what I think we need to change this and change that this is when they got a good thing going or they might slump a tad bit but not to the point where you know it affects the whole IP or the franchise in general but these studio execs may feel like they're not earning their pay or they're feeling a little lazy or they feel a little left out of the process and they say no change this and change that and change this and change that and they want to be held responsible for the success not so much as the failure but i look at it like dude you're a part of the success because it's financially successful it's a hit it's a box office juggernaut you know all you got to do is sit in your chair ride the ship, sit back, relax, get fat off caviar, lobster tails, steaks, what have you, boom. But when you start getting your creative input into it, you know, that's where the problem starts. Knowing you don't know anything about these IPs, I'm talking to these studio execs. And then fans will hate you, resent you. Because they're going to get wind that you Put your two cents into it. So much resources out there. So much information out there. They gonna get wind of it, bro. Trust me. <laughs> if you haven't been paying attention to how Twitter works, it is the most toxic social media network out there. Trust me, they'll know. And here come the bots. Here come the toxicity. Here it comes. And for all those directors out there who want to turn something precious into something that's really meant not to be you know you don't want to put yourself into that 
and I'm gonna get I'm gonna continue on. Um, okay, this is a long. It's not too much longer. So I'm gonna continue on with it. And that's where I think all the entitlement stems from. The thin line between creator and fans in the age of social media. Studios encourage their talent to engage with fans online. It's free publicity for the project and it can serve to increase the exposure of their talent and in turn the project. Getting fans hyped about a new trailer of an upcoming episode increases engagement with the end product. And when it is a hit with fans, Everyone wins. It's a win-win situation. This is what I've been saying. The talent is embraced. The relationship deepens. And that relationship, which on the whole is one of the necessity for the creative talent and rarely as personal as some fans are led to believe, thrives online. But like I said before, about doing it for fans, that's not nearly as important as making sure the bottom line is met but when things go wrong with the production's receptions well then it turns into a twitter storm attacking anyone involved in the project since the talent had been engaging with fans prior to the disappointing outcome they become the ones who hear the anger and vitriol from the most vocal members of the so-called fan base yeah be honest with you, yep, they got a point. It's a lot of bots, it's a lot of angry fans on Twitter. You know, all the hashtags and stuff like that. Fans allow their emotions to dictate how they really are and they make people think that this person is bad, that person is 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 the worst type of person in the world. I would urge fans out there of any product, don't let your emotions get the best of you. You know, if you don't like something, say, I ain't like it too much. I don't like it. Maybe in a few years they can reboot it and do some things with it. But I don't like it. It was just this, this. You can have your grievances and leave it at that. But don't go at the creators and send death threats and all types of vitriol because that's just wrong. And I'm not a moralist, but wrong is wrong, man. You gotta call out fans for their toxic behavior, but also you gotta call out these these creators for swaying away from source material not staying true to it you know especially if it's the first time you've ever seen it on screen and you got to call out these executives who keep meddling and breathing down the neck of these creators all three need to be called out all of them all of them and call out these clout chasing youtubers for giving you false information too and these clout chasing podcasters all of them need to be called out. All of them. In the worst situation, it drives the talent offline completely, but it gets noticed. And then others who felt the same will pile on. And those who didn't, well, they tend to get drowned out by the mob. And then the think pieces arrive asking the fans were right. Sometimes if the lead creative has enough goodwill with the fan base, they can turn them toward a scapegoat, the network, a studio, critics who didn't see their vision, maybe even someone who else, someone else who worked on the project. Then things get really ugly, and the studio is put in the position of either commenting or staying silent and allowing someone else to potentially get blindsided in the melee. Yep, just what I said. 
Somebody gets scapegoated all the time. Somebody, every instance with Star Wars, Star Trek, DC, Marvel, somebody gets scapegoated in these IPs. Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, um, Game of Thrones. If, if that gets led astray, somebody gets scapegoated. The last season of Game of Thrones, somebody got scapegoated. But with the Snyder Cut, we've had our first instance of a studio not only commenting on the outcry from fans, but also giving them exactly what they asked for, for their petulant cries. A whole new film. Is this the new norm? Well, I look at it like if studios uh, leak out information, they got to be careful of who's in the room. Because information will leak out. If you say that I'm gonna give an example. If you if you get wind that Batman is being the badass Batman that you always dreamed and desired of, why in the world would they change it? Instead, they changed it to a Batman cracking jokes. A goofy Batman. That that that's what they changed. They changed it to the what you saw in the theatrical cut was Batman cracking jokes about, oh, something's definitely bleeding. Instead of him being the badass Batman that came out with a gauntlet that blocked Superman's heat vision. We didn't get to see that in the theaters. We got to see it in the Snyder Cut, and you saw the reception of it. Will other studios do the same? Well, personally, I doubt it. Disney has no need to remake the final two films of the most recent Star Wars trilogies, despite fan outcry and a desire to see it happen, because their Star Wars IP continues to thrive. No, their Star Wars IP is thriving on television, on streaming, not in the movies. Fans are hating the movies now, hence why they're going to be peeping Rebel Moon later this year. Rebel Moon might be the Star Wars movie that Disney dropped the ball and whiffed on and not continuing on, this might be the movie that fans want to see and not the, 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 the goofy, childish Star Wars that they've messed up. Now, they're doing good on streaming, but not that. And the MCU continues to uh, print money for Disney as well, but DC and Warner Brothers were in a much more precarious position. Their DCU hasn't achieved the same success as Marvel counterparts so I suspect they figured they needed to keep the fans happy as possible whereas when you go off script and going left field with all this other stuff it's not going to thrive but throwing money in an already disappointing film likely didn't save their cinematic universe how is throwing money at a film that you have put out that wasn't the director's. That was your movie. That was the studio's movie. That wasn't the movie fans asked for. That wasn't the movie the original director put out. That was the studio's movie. Their movie. That's them. They had the answer for the problem and they tried to duck it, but the fans didn't let them duck it. You got to answer for your blunders at some point. And it would take a lot more than four-hour film from a filmmaker who isn't set to helm any additional movies in this particular sandbox. So 
in the end, a group of fans got exactly what they wanted, setting a precedent that other fan bases can use if they find themselves in the same situation. And it's likely only a matter of time before another group decides they deserve the same. The question remains, what will happen then? If it's another Snyder Cut, well, we all know who we have to thank for this new age of fan service filmmaking. I mean, if they go spend money, here's the deal. When the Snyder Cut came out on physical media, I couldn't find it in stores, in, in a lot of the stores. There were a few copies left in a couple of the Walmarts, but it wasn't many. It was a lot of empty racks. It sold a lot on digital media, and it sold a lot on physical media. And that costs more than going to the movies, because you're talking about $20, $25, $30 Blu-rays and 4K HDR. These, these physical media copies of these movies are expensive now, folks, especially if they got 4K HDR in most of these uh, sci-fi and these fantasy movies. And they were selling like crazy. I wonder if I can find a copy now in Best Buy, Target, or Walmart. Now, if I can find a copy that, that's, that's the copy that I want, then I'm grateful. Hopefully the price is marked now, but you're still making more on physical and digital media than you would at the movies if you really look at it. The box office isn't the be-all, end-all. It's a first step, but physical and digital media also helps make up for it. Believe that. Trust me, I know. I mean, seriously, folks, in a nutshell... We have one side that, you know, Hollywood, and you're seeing it with Hollywood, they, they put out stuff that nobody asked for, and they're not giving the fans what they want. I'm going to give you an example. They just recently released the spinoff of Scooby-Doo, the Velma series, which everybody loves Velma. Everybody who's a fan of Scooby-Doo, she's like the number one character. Besides Scooby-Doo, Shaggy... It's definitely Velma. I love Velma. I, I, I think the world of Velma from Scooby-Doo. But they released a, a LGBTQ, I'm going to say the alphabet, an alphabet version of Velma that doesn't make sense. Nobody asked for that. It's like pandering. No disrespect to that, that group of people, but nobody asked for that. And I don't even think they asked for it. And of course, it's voiced by Mindy Callen, so they, they, they gave her... You know, they colored her brown, which I'm fine with because it still looks like Velma, only she's colored in brown. I haven't seen the show, so I'm not going to pass judgment on it. But this is a prime example of what fans asked for and didn't ask for. And I might I might glance at it because I'm a fan of Velma. I love Scooby-Doo, you know. But if people like Zaslav and Iger and some of these other people really care about what fans think, they really listen to fans. Yes, put out a Scooby-Doo uh, uh, spinoff. But listen to what they say in the comments and stuff like that. They, you might get an idea of what people want. Nobody's saying do exactly what they want, but you know, you get a general idea. You put out a Velma series, people love Velma. But not quite the Velma that they were looking for. I don't think nobody was asking for that. That's just an example I'm giving you. And also, um, 
I made a uh, podcast about um, about Wes Craven's Craven cut of Deadly Friend, which is also a Warner Brothers production. But also, I want to bring up another movie that is tailor made for this podcast of what I'm talking about and what this is about. Um, the late great actor, character actor Brian James, did an interview prior to when he died back in 1999, uh, talking about another 48 hours. You know him as Officer Ben Kehoe in the 48 Hours movies. And he talks about another 48 hours. He was talking about how he had way more scenes in the movie. And he said he got a general idea of the movie being cut down to an hour and 35 minutes when the initial cut was close to two hours. And when they said, no, we want an hour and 35 minute cut, he pretty much knew a lot of his scenes was going to get cut. And when he saw it, he his, suspe- his suspicions and what he expected was just that. He was like, I had more scenes in the movie and it didn't affect the plot. You know, I can see why it wouldn't affect the plot. He said he had more scenes and he understand what they were trying to do. He understood it. But he said, I had more scenes. And it's a prime example of when a actor goes to try to promote a movie, they don't know what kind of movie they're promoting because things are cut. They do these pickup shots. They do these reshoots and stuff. You don't know what kind of movie you're promoting. And it's kind of frustrating as an actor because you want to promote these movies. You participated in this movie only for it to be changed in post-production like that. You hear of actors quitting and stuff like that because of script rewrites or, you know, they say scheduling conflicts and stuff like that. And it's very frustrating. But in post-production, you want to completely change a movie. It is very disappointing and frustrating to a actor. And these studios get on these actors for giving away spoilers and stuff. Just stop. They should get on your case for changing stuff at the drop of a dime. Just stop it. Both sides, stop it. Let's let's come to common ground. Stop it. Let's come to a crossroads. Let's get something done. Let's let's bring back entertainment. Bring back entertainment like we want it. You know, stop all this pandering and all this catering. Stop all this meddling and all this 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 all this you know bait sending babysitters and, and people breathing over people's necks. Stop it. Let's come to common ground. Let's come to a crossroads. Let's all put ourselves in a win-win situation. And that's all I have to say for that, folks. Until next time, I will be back with the divisional round of the playoffs edition of my podcast. Until then, you know, God bless you. Thanks for coming out. Good night. Good morning. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be, however you spend your day. Thank you all for listening to the Mad Nucleus Podcast and I'm out.